Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Oscar Watch Podcast. I am your host, Stephen Buja, and joining me is my uh, strongman, Mr. Alex Riviello. <laughs> Alex, how are you doing this week? It's good. I got my lungs of steel ready to go. Ah, fantastic. Uh, are you afflicted with any malady currently? <laughs> Surprisingly, no. Everything is A-OK at the okay. Riviello household as of the moment. Uh, okay, but I, for I now. I probably should have said that. I just, yeah, I just kind of just probably just doomed myself. <laughs> some, yeah. Something's, something's coming down with like, uh, I don't know, some kind of plague. Yeah, I was, I was like, what, what could possibly be the next, be the next step after Pink Eye? So I'm glad to hear you're doing very well this week. I was getting, I look like, like Quasimodo, by the way. I didn't, I didn't send you any pictures, but I basically oh. look like, yeah. Well, 2017 is just <laughs> starting off great for you, hasn't it? Wonderful. <laughs> yeah. Me for the country, for the world at large. Ah, oh, we, we, we admire your sacrifice, and glad that you are still here with us to talk about this week's movie, which we are switching tracks. We're going to uh, the Best Foreign Language Film winners, and we are focusing on the film that won in 1956. It is Federico Fellini's La Strada, also known as The Road. Alex, had you seen this movie before? I had. I definitely had my uh, Fellini phase, probably, uh, you know, like late teen, uh, early 20s kind of thing. I feel like that's when, uh, if you're a film dork, that's when you start, you know, realizing that there's all these other films that you have to see and you get a list of movies. And this is usually like uh, the top of the list. This is usually the one that is definitely uh, the film school, you know, one on one kind of uh, list. It's up there. Um, So, yeah, yeah, this is it's been a very long time, though. It's probably been at least a decade since I last saw it. Yeah, same here. I saw this in film school. As you say, it was definitely a, you know, you don't watch this as a teenager. You watch this as a later teenager in college when you're like, oh, I should start looking at these foreign language things. Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember, I remember digging it. I remember digging it. But um, have you, uh, what's what's your, so you went through a Fellini phase. Yeah. Uh, which other ones did you check out? Did you check out like all of the, all of his work, the, the big hits, the neorealist, yeah, the mean, expressionist, which uh, which I kind of went through. Yeah, definitely did the neorealist thing. I did, the, you know, I did uh, eight and a half. I did Delta Vita. Did all you know the the, the classic ones that you hit first uh, before going to some of the weirder ones. I remember being my whole mind got torn apart when I watched uh, Fellini Satericon, <laughs> um, which is I, I yeah I'm, I'm afraid to go back to that. I kind of do want to go back to it, but I I still don't know what to make of that film. Just from <laughs> it still befuddles me from the one viewing. Um, Those two things sound so like. You just know you're in for something, something strange right there. So, uh, the Satyricon yeah. and throwing Fellini there when he's yeah. totally in Fellini mode. Uh, yeah. That sounds that sounds like a trip and a half, man. Yeah, <laughs> but I mean, I I, I remember it, I wasn't as drawn to La Strada, and I can kind of tell now as I'm an older man is that uh, you know it definitely. It's definitely more about you know the, the experience of life and uh, you know you need a little, a little bit of life maybe before you appreciate the movie. Whereas with like La Dolce Vita and Eight and a Half, Eight and a Half is you know a great look at you know kind of behind the scenes of a film. And for someone who's a you know yeah. who's into film, that that's that's such a, any you know how much we love that genre, that subgenre, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> um, and. Um, I, I, you know, I mean, speaking personally, I know Dolce Vita. I know one of the big reasons I liked that as a kid. I mean, you, you could probably say <laughs> be I, one of the stars. You know what? I, <laughs> uh, I have not seen the Dolce Vita. I have oh. a huge, uh, I have a huge rift in my in my Fellini knowledge. I have only seen La Strada and Eight and a Half. I haven't. Oh, wow. I, I never saw anything else. I was more, I was more of a Berkman fan. 
Uh, mm-hmm. Ber- Bergman and Truffaut, they were my like foreign, mm-hmm. foreign language. I, mm-hmm. I love, I love Francois Truffaut. He's just, just great. Mm-hmm. Also, also, I love him in Close Encounters, but you know, <laughs> that's neither here nor there. Uh, so I didn't catch on till I didn't like really grab. I, you know, I, I I just saw Eight and a Half a couple of years ago and dying to see that again yeah. for this show because it's also because yeah, yeah. it also won Best Foreign Language. So I, yeah. you know, I I don't have the biggest. Uh, there's not there's not a long line, a lo- many years of affection for Fellini. Which now that I say that out loud, it's that's really kind of depressing considering that. I do enjoy films, and you know Fellini has influenced so many people, including uh, Scorsese and uh, like the, uh-huh. the entire brat, brat pack of the of uh, the seventies and whatnot. I mean, the, his whole the whole style. I mean, the neorealism style. I mean, if you watch uh, Rome Open City, it just it's astonishing even today. Um, and especially since they, he basically innovated not not him himself, but the, you know him and the filmmakers around him all kind of innovated the style that you know was still being done decades and decades later. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it, they're not easy films. I don't think any of them. Um, so you know, they're not the kind of movies you can just pop on. You know, yeah, they are night. Yeah, they they aren't the crowd pleasers. You're like, oh, we're just hanging out. Like, obviously, we're gonna watch La Strada because, of course, no, it's not. <laughs> it's not those kind of films. The um, right. uh, audience, we keep using the term neorealist, and that is a type of film that came out post World War II, predominantly in Italy by uh, Roberto Rossellini. Uh, Vittorio De Sica, who did Bicycle Thieves, and uh, Fellini—they were sort of like the big, the big guys—and it uh, it was concerned with the post-war Italian mindset that uh, was kind of grounded and also filled with social anxieties, predominantly focused on the working class and poor individuals, and told from a heavily Marxist socialist bent. Uh, so very like deep and like usually depressing tales of suffering <laughs> uh is, is i think it's basically that's a good it's a good way to describe it i yeah i, I think and uh one thing uh, fellini actually took a lot of crap from italian critics over la strada because he was abandoning neorealism starting with la strada and starting to move towards a more expressionistic almost magical realism type of filmmaking that, you know, he is most known for, you know, they, we, we, we use the term Fellini-esque nowadays, and this is where it started. Like you can see the neorealist bent, but there's also this whimsy in it and almost this kind of larger than life uh, mythicism that uh, Fellini has built into his films, uh, starting with La Strada. Uh, I suppose I only know Fellini really from his expressionist stuff, not really his near his neorealist uh, mm-hmm. work. So, yeah. yeah, yeah. There's definitely more. Uh, it's weird to say in the movie as dark as this, but there's definitely more hope in this film. Um, it almost feels like there, you know he's he's got, he's got a little. Even though even how it ends, how everything that happens, <laughs> there, there's still you know like there's still some hope in a better life and a better uh, you know that things will change. It's something mixed up in there where I feel like a lot of the other films maybe don't have that. Um, yeah. So maybe me and the might have been what uh, people were uh, upset at the time, <laughs> where it's, it needs to be ultra, you know, soul crushing. It has to be like Bicycle Thieves, a, a movie. I Bicycle Thieves. I love that movie. I love it's that. probably it's in my. Great. It's probably like top, top ten, top five maybe. Um, but that's not an easy movie to sit through. That yeah. is a rough, 
rough movie. Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm useless um, after watching that movie. It's like yeah, I just I gotta I gotta take an hour or so to think about. Yeah, yeah, things. right. Yeah, I, I, yeah I, th- I think the critics were they were mad at the abandoning of the Marxist uh, bent and the embrace of the pre pre war uh entertainment sort of uh, whimsy because mm-hmm. uh like if if you watch a lot of uh, fellini films especially the later ones he loves the circus and he <laughs> will you know he he ran away to join the circus when he was younger so it heavily influenced him and he has this air of showmanship about him this like you know this is a spectacle and he you know he takes he does it better than almost i think anybody but in taking these grounded characters and injecting them with this larger than life spectacleness to it, you know, uh, you know, you know, and it, it certainly helps that many of his characters certainly here in La Strada are mm-hmm. circus performers and like he, he right. feels at home with them more so than I think anybody else uh, really. Mm-hmm. It's, yeah. yeah. Inclu- well, including his wife, who's uh, uh, the main character almost yes. in this film. Uh, yes. Julia Mazina. Mazina. Who's, just absolutely, absolutely wonderful. So that is yeah. our. Oh, sorry. I don't know. Go for it. Oh no, I was going to segue us. So that is uh, <laughs> that is our experience with La Strada and um, Fellini and the Italian neorealist uh, bent. We could probably go on and on for hours about it, but we unfortunately have to take a break and get to the next section in which we talk about how La Strada won best foreign language film in 1956 which is odd why is it odd we're going to tell you about it formerly the best foreign language film award was an honorary one voted by the board of governors this year however a different method was employed organizations similar to the academy and countries all over the world were charged with the task of selecting their outstanding motion pictures from these many entries the academy members nominated five films and then by secret ballot chose the winner Representatives of the nominated motion pictures are here with us tonight. As guests of the Academy, they have come from the Orient and from Europe. To them, I extend on behalf of the Academy a very special welcome. The nominated films are from Denmark, Kiva Tak, produced by O. Dalsgaard Olsen. From France, Gervais, produced by Annie Dorfman. From Germany, The Captain of Köpenick, produced by Walter Koppel and Julius Trebich. From Italy, La Strada, Produced by Dino De Laurentiis and Carlo Ponti from Japan, Harp of Burma. Produced by Takashi, I'm sorry, Masayuki Takashi. The winner, please. La Strada. Mr. De Laurentiis will accept. There you are. Thank you. you. Congratulations. Uh, This award belongs to... La Strada was the recipient of the first competitive Best Foreign Language Film Academy Award. Uh, Before then, there had been several winners, but those were just a sort of one-off. And, by the way, the Best Foreign Language Film of the Year is this. There there was no competition. Nobody voted on them. just one. It just and one year there was not even one, and then 1953 they did not give a single yeah. award. 
which is I guess there were no foreign films well, made that year. Yeah. It's rude. What, yeah. what, what, what was happening in '53? Anything? I don't, of, I don't know. Just very nothing odd. That, nothing that would. I don't know. Dissuade them from watching any foreign films. Yeah. I don't know. But, but uh, I mean, they did. They did hit. You know, they did get Bicycle Thief. They did get Rashomon, Forbidden Games. They got. You know, it's, they got Gate of Hell. They've got some. Uh, yeah. They did manage to get some classics in there. Like they did. They did manage at least, even though they were only giving one away and it wasn't competitive. They did at least manage to get uh, some really great films. Yeah. In those lists up to, up to this point. And yeah. then uh, fifty six rolls around and what well, changes, right? Yeah, fifty six rolls around and changes. Definitely, they open it up. It's five. Uh, it's five films. I believe it has always been five films. Each country gets one slot, and I'm not entirely sure of the process. But then they just take five of the most nominated or most preferential, and those are the nominees. And people go out and they vote on them all the same. I'm still not. I believe. As it is a pitcher, all members of the Academy are eligible to vote for it as opposed to individual art direction, et cetera, where only the guild members can uh, can vote for them. But Lestrada won over a couple of other competitors, and I can't say I've ever heard of these. Alex, what else was nominated? <laughs> no, I'm the same way. I'm the same way. I, I didn't even know how to pronounce some of these. Uh, then we have uh, Germany uh, submitted the captain of Kaponik. Yeah, uh, Gervais from France. Uh huh. We have the harp of Burma from Japan. Okay, I have, I have that's the Burmese harp, but sure, whatever. Oh, all, all these oh, things get okay. <laughs> get changed up. And finally, <laughs> I, dude, I have no idea how to pronounce this. Are uh, you gonna try? <laughs> okay. uh, There's no you, damn Danes. Q I V I T O Q. I. From Denmark. Uh, An intense romantic drama. Oh. Yeah. Wow. Okay. It's uh, uh, from uh, and filmed entirely in Greenland. But yeah, that's uh, yeah, I don't know how to pronounce it, but the 1956 Danish film. So yeah, that was the uh, those are the countries in contention because that's uh, that's also the other thing for these awards is that it doesn't go to the uh, film, it's, it doesn't go like to the producers, and the, it goes to the, like the country right. as a whole. So there's like you know this country wins, so yeah, Italy won think, over I, West Germany. Because I guess there was oh, still. Yeah. That's true, yeah. and yeah, I th- and I'm sure. I'm sure it was a big deal. I like to think it was a big yeah. deal for that country to like. You know, this country has won so many, and Lord knows Italy won a bunch. What with uh, yeah. De Sica and Fellini. Fellini actually he directed three of the best foreign language films. Mm-hmm. He did this next year. He would win for Knights of Cabiria, and then of course he would win for Eight and a Half later on. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm sure Am- Amacord was nominated in '73. It just I don't see how that could not have been nominated. But uh, <laughs> fun fact: La Strada actually came out in 1954, but was not released here until 1956. Uh, what with the world being a little slower, a little bigger back in the day, I guess it took a while for it to gain eligibility. I'm not entirely sure how eligibility would have worked because that is that is a actually significant gap in uh, nomination. But yeah. Uh, uh, so if you're wondering why it says 1954, but we're talking about the 1956, it's because it, the movie technically won in the year 1956, though it was released in 1954. Uh, the It also uh, did manage to pick up a nomination for Best Original Screenplay, though it, though that was only the uh, – it only had two nominations and one win. Best Foreign Language Film. Uh, in 1956, 
the best movie of that year was Around the World in 80 Days, which based slightly based on the Jules Verne. Was it Jules Verne? Did he do Around the World in 80 Days? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll say that. Okay. The Jules Verne novel that was, I believe, just a cameo fest of literally everybody who was big in Hollywood at the time. Uh, it is, I, to my knowledge, it is a lesser best picture, although I am looking forward to watching that one just because I've never seen it and I've heard a bunch about it. Just Yeah, that's one that like I feel like my dad watched all the time when I was kid. I remember those all kinds of – yeah, it's I mean it's got everyone in that. It's got like everyone from like – Sinatra and Buster Keaton and you know there's there's a billion people in that movie. It's one of those ones. I feel like it's more of those like kind of made for Hollywood. If you want, to. <laughs> I don't okay. know. We'll, we'll see when we when we revisit it. But uh, I feel like it might be one of those movies where it kind of really played to the crowd in winning a uh, Best Picture. I can but. I can definitely see that. And um, the star of well, one of the stars of La Strada, Anthony Quinn, the mm-hmm. the great actor uh, who's simply wonderful, two time Academy Award and he would actually win. A his uh, I believe second Academy Best Supporting Actor Academy Award for Lust for Life in the same year, which possibly may make him the only actor to appear in the Best Foreign Language Film winner of a year and also receive an Oscar for mm-hmm. another movie that same year. <laughs> I need to go through, but that sounds like it tracks, and uh, I can't think of any like because there's there there are so few, you know. Actors who would win an Academy Award who would appear in a foreign language film. That yeah, exactly. It's yeah. hard. To, it's, no, it's the Italians it's, did not care about that. They didn't no, care what, no, the Italians. They, didn't, they did not care what uh, what language you spoke because they were not shooting sound anyway. That's that's true. Uh, one of the big things about this film and other neorealist films was certainly for Fellini was instead of uh, forcing everyone to at least like figure out how to pronounce words because some some actors they will actually when they, when they appear and have to do a foreign foreign speaking role they will uh they will like sort of learn uh through uh, ph- phonetically the the language mm-hmm. here it yeah. was just they have to i believe they were counting there was like one yeah. two three and fellini would just be yelling at them to, to, <laughs> as to how to as how to behave and you know and how to emote and then later on they would go back in and they would Redub it. So if you're ever wondering why nothing matches up in La Strada or any or any of those or yeah, any, any of these movies, films. and even even in the Man with No Name trilogy, like yeah. they, none of that shit matches up at all. They didn't it's, care. They, yeah. they didn't care, and it makes for an interesting experience, especially with yeah. the neorealists, especially with La Strada. I find because yeah. now it's not. It is all about the. It's all about the emotion. It's all about how right. they are expressing it because they they will be made to say whatever it is they they decide to say, basically in post. So it's uh, all you have, you know, Julieta Messina, you have Anthony Quinn, you have Richard Basehart, and they're just so ex- they're such expressive individuals that that's all. It's it's basic. It's basically they're shooting it like a silent film and just dubbing mm-hmm. it in over. Like that's what it. That's what it is. They're doing. It's uh, mm-hmm. it's. Actually, it's an interesting way of doing it. It's very expressionistic. It's a, a mm-hmm. unique way of filming a movie that I kind of wish would come back. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I wouldn't fly, though, I don't think. You know, it, wouldn't work. You know it, it, it is a little jarring today to see, you know, when the, the mouth – it's not a dubbed uh, – it's not a dubbed film. You're watching it in Italian, and it's still – 
it still doesn't match. So it's it's, it's something weird about that. But it, yeah, it does kind of it works with the style. It does. It doesn't need to be perfect. It doesn't need to be a, you know again the uh, the words don't. I don't know. Is you're getting the emotion and you're getting the words. So I don't know. <laughs> it doesn't have to be. Yeah. Are you are you are you a proponent of the uh, the sound has to match the the voice or are you okay with like you know dubs and and, and whatnot? Uh, I like it. I usually like in the original language. But I mean, for I feel like for a lot of these Italian films, it doesn't matter because it's not original language anyway. Because it's you know it's MOS anyway, so it's a. Um, Ooh, uh, throwing out the does. film schools. <laughs> wow. <laughs> what, MOS? That's a class. <laughs> if anyone doesn't know that, MOS is a meet out sound. It means uh, shooting without, without sound. Shooting without sound and doing the ADR later. Um, yeah, yeah, I don't know. I, I, always, I, I definitely do prefer subtitles whenever possible, even though I know some people don't like it because it takes away from the, you know, if you have to read, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's the worst. <laughs> Reading in my films. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, but yeah, I don't know. I people feel like the performances more than are more than capable in this in this film of taking you through you know whatever you can you can this could be a completely silent film and you would know what's going on just from their performances. Pretty it's much one of those. Uh, Anthony Anthony Quinn said that he learned more working with Fellini in over the course of I think weeks that they shot this than he had in all the previous years he had uh, he had acted and Fellini was also. Uh, much like, say, Stanley Kubrick, he was a tyrant on set. Mm-hmm. Probably, probably he was, he was the ringleader, and I could, you know, he, mm-hmm. he was the guy in charge of all of these these animals and these people and everything. He had to make the, he had to make the show go. And mm-hmm. he was uh, there was one time I was reading I did a lot I was reading uh, that the type of cigarettes weren't right. So they went through like 500 <laughs> packs of cigarettes. And at the point was like, what's, what does it matter? It's like, you see it for two seconds, but no, it's Fellaini needed it to be this specific way. And you're like, okay, okay. You, it's, they say, they say being a film director is the last bastion of, uh, of the, of the dictator. And unfortunately that won't be true coming tomorrow, <laughs> but uh, at least artistically speaking, you know, you can do, you can get away with a lot of crap with your director because it's right. all for art. But, uh, well, especially back then when there were no safety protocols or, you know, there wasn't a, Oh God, yeah. Jeez. especially in Italy. Um, you know, they, they, I'm sure he got away with a lot more than anyone would ever get away with. Although I don't know. Did you just see that video that went up uh, this week about the, uh, the dog being thrown in the river for this? Uh, oh yeah. The, a, a dog's purpose. Which yeah, yeah I yeah. I saw so, I saw a link to that and was like oh crap yeah that's oh. awful yeah so, and so, so OSHA was still doing OSHA wait no ASPCA was uh, I, aren't they on well, set for they, they should have they, they should be. be on set for any movie that has a word dog in the title I just right think, right if, even even the movie War Dogs I think had some animals in it right uh, yeah but by, by the way that movie I don't feel I feel like I don't need to see that movie I saw the trailer and was like oh they showed everything it's they showed the whole thing right they, they literally <laughs> did it's uh, but anyways we are not here to talk about a dog's purpose i do not think we will ever be here to talk about a dog's purpose you don't think it's a contender i possibly don't think it's a contender i look forward to talking about all of the contenders soonish because the because nom- the nominees are announced uh in a couple of weeks actually two weeks i believe mm-hmm. no we are here to talk about la strada and we are going to take a quick break and when we come back we're finally going to dive into fellini's film so stick around. 
La Strada, filmed on location in Italy with an all-English-speaking cast, stars Anthony Quinn as Zampano. La Strada introduces the winner of many awards as Best Actress of the Year, Giulietta Massina. Co-starring Richard Basehart as the fool, a mixture of rogue and philosopher, a passionate force in a circus of life. Estrada, a strange, unique tale of passion, possessing great tenderness, emotion, and searing human drama. A film reaching new heights in superb entertainment achievement. Alex, to those viewers out there, listeners, who have not seen La Strada, could you give us a brief overview uh, as to what the film is about? Sure. It is about a young woman named Gelsomino, who's purchased by a, a strong man of the circus called Zampano, uh, this kind of big, hulking, dumb brute of a guy, who, uh, played by Anthony Quinn, who uh, takes her on the road, which lends it to the title, and uh, tries to teach her about the ways of uh, being a performer and, um, and the, the ways of the road. And um, she's kind of, uh, she doesn't know what to make of this new relationship. She thinks that, you know, she's going to be with him, but he's kind of a carouser and drunk and doing all that. And uh, it's just about their their rough life and uh, her trying to figure out who she is, him trying to, you know, keep everything together. And it all ends with a nice, happy, harm- harmonious uh, look at Italy <laughs> in the 1950s. No, no, it does not. <laughs> yeah. it, it's, uh, As all neorealist films do. Yeah, <laughs> it's a very depressing look at the post-war Italy. I mean, not so much as some of the other films, but I mean, it's it, this is not a movie that you're going to be like, hey, this looks like a place we should go. It looks beautiful. It's it's all broken and destroyed and depressed and, and really uh, – uh, depressing. It's just uh, it's it looks like a, a place that's that's seen some rough times and it isn't going to see any better times anytime soon. Their only uh, the only entertainment most of these people have is this strong man coming to their town or a circus. Uh, that he's he's got a little motorcycle that he does this little act together and then he ends he joins up with the circus as well. Uh, these street performers are basically like the the best thing that ever happened to uh, <laughs> these these small towns that they visit. And it's uh, all he does, his whole act that he, that he does is he puts a chain around his chest and he flexes his chest and breaks the chain. And that's the entire, yeah. well, that's the entire act, but that's, that's like, that's, that's, that's the climax. That's, that's, that's the, the highlight. That's the big one. Yeah, right. that's, that's the big which, one. Which that, I think, you know, it, that seems impressive, but yeah. oh, man, that is, uh, that's a, like, ne- like nowadays I'm like, man, they did not have fun back in the fifties. Like it <laughs> no. literally did not exist in Italy because... Oof, that is that's, that's kind of brutal. Right, I've seen better show times on the subway. You know, oh, 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 shit. I hate those. Oh, show time! Yeah. Oh, you <laughs> taking us all. Pr- I hate. I hate show times. I hate show times so much. It's the worst. It's the worst. Anyways, but it's still more entertaining than a man snapping a you know a iron chain. It's not really. 
Yeah. I mean, at least so he has he, he uses uh, his new uh, companion is basically kind of his uh, his hype man. He, she's she plays the drums and then she uh, she gets everyone the whole crowd all ready and she's she's basically like the music accompaniment. She does all yeah. that for him because he doesn't really have too much of an act. He doesn't have too much of a personality. He's just he's a brute. He's just a yeah. He's he's, you know. d- he's dumb and he's found a way to use that to make money but he has he's no creativity there really no. he's like i i think uh i think roger ebert said like these are probably lines that some circus master fed to him and he's just regurgitating them right over it's the same act it's yeah. the same, same every, over and over. every same word single word. time it's it's There's no passion but that's that's the interesting thing about the two characters that because uh, uh, Jocelyna she's the character that she sees the potential in this and this she sees this as an art form and she sees that uh, she can get you know she she could get something out of this too and she wants more and when she starts looking for it she, she like she meets up with the uh, the fool this that's other uh, El Mato uh, El Mato yes. uh, she sees she sees potential she sees that you know this could be something that fulfills her. Uh, and of course, uh, Zampano being kind of this uh, abusive asshole that he is, uh, completely stops that in his tracks. Doesn't allow her to leave. Right. Um, doesn't want her thinking or, or, or you know expanding her her music. He just wants her to do the thing that he knows works, and that's it. Get the money, go go drinking, find a woman. That's it. That's his life. Yeah. And she she wants more. Yes. Yeah. She um, at the beginning of the film. Which I, I I appreciate this film for t- literally cutting right to the ch- chase. It is like it wastes zero time right. in getting to the main thrust of the story. This you see Gelsomina on the beach, which is a motif that Fellini would always return to. He's in love with the ocean, and then you learn some bad news about her sister, and this dude then buys her. Which, fun mm-hmm. fact, 10,000 lira back in the day was anywhere between 6 to $16. That is how much he wow. bought this woman, this girl for. And really, everything after that moment, you're, you know, nowadays I think this man is horrible. But to Fellini's credit, he does manage to make him at least a person. But... Oh, yep. that is there. The, we're we're starting we're starting this thing off just right on the wrong foot. But this was neorealism, and I feel as though if you if you aren't starting off on the wrong foot, you aren't starting off on the right foot. So, <laughs> yeah, it, it almost it feels like for when it started, I'm like, oh no, this is gonna be one of those movies that's aged horribly. All the all the politics are gonna be completely weird, but it's not though. It's this is post war times this is this a guy uh, this is a family trying to survive and like hey you know we need the money go with this guy he's gonna you know give you a career kind of thing this you know, there these people have nothing uh, it makes sense for the times um and he's you know he needs her because he definitely he has his act needs needs that feminine touch uh needs some kind of uh some kind of music some kind of some kind of light to it yeah uh, nobody would come just to see yeah. him he needs he needs, it's a invert it's a it's a weird sort of beauty in the beast tale where this yeah strong dumb like angry it's such an angry man you can see why scorsese would be so influenced by him mm-hmm. uh needs this this woman this 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 innocent almost like dumb girl who is so who like doesn't even realize the, sh- the like shitty life she is in she's like the first thing you know we see her and she's just like 
I'm going on the road. And isn't that awesome? Because even though this guy is a monster, in, mm. by like many definitions of the words, he is a monster. He allows her to experience things that she would never do at her simple little seaside village because mm-hmm. he offers offers an escape and i and i'm sure during the economic depression of the the 50s that was post-war europe like anything to get out and experience and to at least have some sort of life was seen as a better opportunity than just staying around and like waiting to die uh, or something right so yeah, yeah. it's it's tr- it's tricky in f- taking American values, certainly m- modern American values, and throwing them onto yeah. a different culture. Like I will, mm-hmm. I will judge the crap out of the apartment for its terrible sexual politics, but it's you know I don't know how much say I could have with a film like La Strada because no, yeah, I agree. I yeah, I mean there there are things yeah obviously there are things I messed up, but it's, it's it feels authentic and it's not like she's not a person. She's very much she's a fully realized character. She's not there just for for other you know she's not just an object in this film. So there's not that kind of argument to be make, made about it. You might be upset about the situation she's in, but it's it doesn't change you know the fact that that it's it's not you know it's not about that. I don't I don't find it like offensive in any in any way. Yeah. It it it's it just like in the beginning. I'm like, oh no, here we go. It's gonna be <laughs> yeah. about this woman. You know, this woman being beat around. You know, by a man. I completely forgot like exactly how their their relationship worked. Um, but you know, he's not all that. He's not a good man at all to her. But at the no. same time, he does have some kind of weird affection for right. her. Yeah. The the film. Um. And and this is this is where this is where I wrestle with the film. I, I wrestle mm-hmm. with it because it's the film is telling us or supposed to be telling us that uh, Zampano has this affection for Gelsomina, and I'm like I and I can kind of see it. I can see where Fellini's going, but I can never quite feel it as much as I think he wants us to. But then I like I read like a lot of reviews and interviews and, and things people talking about it and i go man i just I, like am i wrong about this and it has i've it's been a day or two since i've seen it and it, it is still clinging to me not only because i have to talk about it for this show but because like it like this is a film i type of storytelling i'm not used to uh and it's it's maddening that I'm trying. I'm trying to like have some critical eye here and being like, ah, I don't know how much it works. But on the other hand, there's a part of me going like, dude, everything about this movie works. What do you like? Why can't you just sing its praises? And uh, I, so how do you how do you feel? Like, how do, what are your are you overall feelings about, their, of it? No, uh, about their relationship in particular, uh, or, or the relationship and just the does does Fellini succeed in uh, in putting forth what he intended to show does he demonstrate i mean his like, you know i even said i even said that he's got a weird affection for her but i meant it in like kind of the way of an abuser you know i don't i don't feel like it's like any kind of like love you know he's got like that you know it's a, it's a classic you know the the it's I mean, even though it's not uh cons- at least not seen as a romantic relationship it's good they've got that classic kind of abuser abused uh relationship going on she's mm-hmm. she she can't quit him 
even though yeah. he's terrible for her. Yeah. And it's not till uh, not even till awful, awful things happen after he's murdered somebody, <laughs> after after he's he's been drunk and you know just 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 going out with different women and and you know just leaving her alone and all these awful things that you know she should have left him, but she just doesn't know how to. She's too naive to the world. Yeah, she, she doesn't know. Yeah, and she's she's given multiple yeah. opportunities to do that oh, yeah yeah i was was watching with my wife and after the third or fourth time she were like i think my wife just threw her hands up and was like this this woman kind of deserves whatever she gets it's, it's like what is what else does she have she has nothing she, right. she, she's, from the she's carrying like you know grass in a basket in the beginning of the tent that's, that's her life <laughs> she's like that's all she's done is just living by the ocean like you know eating crabs or something i don't know who knows you know she's never she's been anywhere some, she's probably had some cake by that ocean you know it's possible. Uh, it's <laughs> it's sold it for yeah. sixteen bucks. What do you think? Cake and wine <laughs> yeah. every night. You know, it's not. Yeah, but, so, yeah, yeah. yeah. But there, there's this, um, there's this great scene between Gelsomina and uh, El Mato, the fool. That was my favorite scene in the movie because it was we finally got a look inside of the characters, and they are at the circus. Zampano has just been arrested. He's in jail for us attacking the fool. Who the, the fool? Who's like, he seems like a nice guy, but he's really he's, he's a jerk. <laughs> he's, an, he's, he's an asshole. He's yeah. totally he's, an asshole. He's one of those. He, he likes. He's a shit stir. He, oh, he likes. To, he likes yeah, to he's mess a, with people. Yeah, it's, it's like oh god, I, I'd, I'd hate him in real life. But we get a look inside of him and Gelsomina that we never get for Zampano. Mm-hmm. and uh, it's that it's that beautiful. It's that it's just such a beautiful scene about. The uh, you know, the 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 need of a the you know the purpose of a stone being here. I don't know that purpose, but I know that it has one because if it doesn't have anything, then nothing has a purpose, and even the stars. And I'm like that is a beautiful sentiment. And ultimately, it's decided that you know Gelsomina will will stay because you know her purpose. She believes is that. It's to help Zampano, which yeah, has, that's has well, he kind of convinces he, he convinces her of that. The fool convinces her of of uh, you know to, that's that's her best course of action. Stick with him, um, right? Whether that's but true or is not, is it? Is it? Or I is it, like I was wondering, like I was curious as to the fool's motivation there because it's he they get along very well, and despite the fool being a, this practical joker and you know shit stirrer, like maybe. Gelsomina would be better off with him, and he even like even at the end when she he he takes her to the prison to the jail to to wait for him. He's like, like no seriously, like, do you want to come with me? And she's mm-hmm. like, no, he needs me, and I need or, mm-hmm. or he needs me or I need him. And it's, it's like ah, oh, this is yeah. it's hard, it's harsh, but you know uh, it wouldn't be an Italian neorealist film if people were did took the best course of action in their right. lives that they made yeah. the right decision. It's you, know, you have no. because it, it is a, it is a more powerful film because of the, because of the bad choices they make. And because it's a film that is meant to be filled with regret. Oh, right. I mean, Lord. and that's, that's her whole character is cause she's constantly, she does eventually meet these people on the road. Like she meets the nun as well, who, talks about you know like she talks you know she kind of compares their lives and she's like yeah we're kind of similar in a lot of ways we do a lot of the same thing we have you have your man i've got my god you know this and that and yeah. um and she's given like like a way you know she's she's able to see how other people live and how how it could could be different and you kind of start to assume that it would eventually at least lead to that like her like realizing wait i could do this on my own 
Um, but it doesn't quite get to that point because she gets broken by the road. She, uh, yeah. what happened when um, the fool and uh, uh, Zampano they finally uh, have their conflict at the end when they um, yeah. run into each other on the on the road and uh, they get into a fight and uh, the fool ends up getting killed. Yeah. And uh, his quite, body unceremoniously dumped on the road. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Very, they they were fighting and he just like knocks his head against the car and uh, and collapses and and dies and. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and it uh and it, 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 it kills her really it kills her inside like she just she's yeah. just yeah for you know so that what happens this is what happens is i'm gonna tell the whole film now <laughs> but, uh, yeah, she... <laughs> it's it's uh it's over 60 years old i think we're right. past the point of spoilers but... <laughs> right right well i mean it's just you know just i, I love that that is that i don't know I, I don't know what you think about this it's like do you think that he gets tired of her almost like the fact that she can't snap out of it or do you think like he it's out of affection that he leaves her i couldn't tell i, I don't i don't know because on the uh, the emo the like emotional like quasi romantic in me thinks that mm-hmm. yeah he's leaving because that's the best course of action but mm-hmm. on the other hand he should know that this girl is not yeah, prepared to yeah. survive in this world and it's it does a, give her some money yeah, money. And he gives her like the, her trumpet, the, bl- so the blanket can... and everything, but it's yeah. and it's 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 a touching and devastating scene when he's when he when he when he leaves. But I also and it's not and it's not because Quinn isn't a good actor. Quinn is a he's an absolutely amazing actor. I it's just, I didn't connect, I didn't connect with Zampano in that moment. I couldn't understand his exact motivation and. Perhaps that is the point, but yeah, Fel- but Fellini is not. He doesn't. He never lets us into Zampano until the very end. We spend this whole mm-hmm. time thinking this is Gelsomina's movie. Gelsomina. She. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Spoiler alert. She dies off screen years ago. Yeah. We flash forward five years and we find that he learns that she's dead and that's it. And that's well, it's when a more we- shocking. It's a more shocking death than uh, than the fools even. I, f- I found. Yeah. I don't know why. Like I, I knew it was coming. I knew. I knew the film, but I don't know the way it's told. It just kind of told offhand, off screen by a woman. Uh, he he uh, talking to a woman in a field who's covering her face with with sheets. I love that. While she's <laughs> yeah. folding, she's she's putting up the laundry, and she you don't even see her as she's telling him. And it also allows uh, Zampano to uh, to you know kind of reveal his true face uh, as he's getting the news too. He's not he's not looking at this. Uh, this woman as she's telling him the news. So he kind of gets away with uh, emoting a little more than perhaps he would have, if he was right. looking at somebody. Um, yeah. And it's, it's shocking. It's, it's really, it's shocking. He finds out that, you know, a few years ago she died, she was here. She, you know, she was just some kind of like, you know, street beggar kind of yeah. never said, never said died. a thing. And yeah. And it's, uh, and I, I suppose Zampano does not have the, did not have the ability, you know, the mental capacity to think, Oh yeah, this, is probably what was going to happen. Like at at the time, he was just thinking, "I need to leave," or, you know, this girl is seriously bumming me out because, mm. man, was she a downer for those couple of weeks after I killed that dude. <laughs> yeah. Well, he's ruining his act too. Like he was trying to do his act, and she's just sitting there. He's, she's she's missing her cues. He was she was doing, so. I wonder how much of it was that too. Like you know, it's, she's just dragging him down. She's, he's got to get rid of her. That's what it almost felt like too. If yeah. he were to, if he were to survive. Yeah. Um, but yeah, um, he's a, he's, then, a uh, he's a loner, Dottie, a rebel. He needs to be a loner. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> basically. <laughs> and what does he do though? He goes out and gets, uh, you know, gets blackout drunk and, uh, yeah. 
And uh, then he just uh, he starts fights with uh, everyone at the bar, mm-hmm. and uh, stumbles off into the into the nothingness. Yeah, and he uh, the film and the film begins on a beach and it ends on a beach. Two very separate mind uh, mindsets. We have uh, traveled the road, uh, mm-hmm. as it as it were, and it begins with you know Gelsomina in the sun it, in the sun, and it ends with Zampano in the dark alone yeah. on the beach and uh credit credit where credit's due quinn kills it in that in that final scene where it's that harrowing cry of jesus christ what have i done the regret mm-hmm. in my heart will literally destroy me kind of thing that you know, mm-hmm. uh, only the best yeah. filmmakers can can really bring out yeah. Uh, oh God. And his his yeah, just his face at the end. There's not a word spoken at the end. It's all all his face and all these emotions rising to it. It's 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 remarkable. It's definitely it's another one of those movies. You just sit back and you're like, okay, I gotta yeah, leave me alone. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go sit over <laughs> yeah. here for a little bit. Don't talk to me, please. I just need to. I just need to compose myself. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's it's not quite the the ending of four hundred the four hundred blows because uh, I I think that is perhaps one of my favorite ending shots of all mm. times. But mm. I think it is it, it could certainly be up there in terms of in terms yeah. of that. Oh I, yeah, at the time, so. yeah, at the time coming you know immediately coming off of it, I was like, oh, okay. But mm. again, the more the more I think about it, the more this film digs into my mind. And mm-hmm. I think this is much better than I give it credit for. This was working on a, at a on a way that I think most certainly most certainly most American films and I, you know I, I watch a lot of those aren't doing because you know there's a lot of there's a lot of dialogue in American films, especially when they're dealing with emotions, people talking about their feelings and feelings. But here it's you know because of perhaps it's because of the sound, the way mm-hmm. they, the way they the way they filmed it, it's. Uh, it's all in how it's all in the body language, and I've never I've been mm-hmm. lousy at reading body language, and and, and mm-hmm. but again at the same time, f- f- you know the neorealist films they're very novel like, and we you need to you need to let us inside the characters a mm-hmm. bit more if you want to be like that. It's it's fine it's fine to be novel like, but books and movies are very different, and I yeah. Yeah, you know, again, I'm wrestling with it. I'm wrestling with it. Like, it's a very good movie. <laughs> ah. I, I, don't you, I don't know if you need to get into his character, though. And I don't know. I, I wonder if there's that much to get in the character. You know what I mean? I don't know if you need, you know, his whole, you know, you definitely don't need his whole backstory and all that. But, I mean, I don't know if you need to. I don't think he could, like, tell you what's on his mind. You know, I don't think he could. He, he wouldn't have a moment like the fool does. You know, he's not that person. Oh. He... He would never be able to explain what is going on in his head, what what he's thinking, his hopes, his dreams, because he really, you know, frankly, he has none. He's a man that's been broken by the years on on the road, and he's just surviving. He's you know getting money to go go drink more and yeah. and uh, have sex. That's I mean that's you know I mean noble goals to be sure, but <laughs> <laughs> but um, you know that's his entire existence. He's got no he's got no he's got no art. He's got no oh, there's no there's no joy to his life. Whereas, uh, you know, she had a chance, and that's the that's that's the most tragic part, I think, that's about it. It's like part. she had she had a chance to, to do something. I don't know. I, yeah, I always focus more on her, I guess, because it's it's definitely it feels more of her story. Oh yeah, and it's and that, that's really why it's so shocking when it when it's all suddenly suddenly over, 
uh, very unceremoniously. Very unceremoniously, absolutely, absolutely. But um, masterfully so. So I yeah. love, I love the way that's done. It's, 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 it's so I, the whole ending, the whole it's like oh, 15 oh, minutes or so is just stunning. I love, I love having conversations with you or with anybody in which they, uh, they're able to accurately bring me over to their side because I'm, I'm feeling now that like. <laughs> You know, this is actually, this is like, don't get me wrong. It's La Strada. It's a mm. very good movie. But now I'm thinking maybe it's close to a great movie. And certainly one of the things, <laughs> segue, certainly one of the things that helps it out is the score by uh, mm. Nino Rota, who was a mm. longtime collaborator with Fellini. Uh, they have that uh, the Gelsomina score, which mm. is that, uh, that sad trumpet dirge. That right. uh, the uh, the fool plays and is later repeated. Right, he plays on, on his little throughout. It's the tiny little, tiny little violin. T- it's uh, it goes, uh, yeah, and it's oh, that yeah, is yeah. a great piece of music. I've like I've been listening to it and I go, this is it will. It's one of those. It's one of those pieces of music from a film that automatically takes you back to the film. You can hear a lot of film music yeah. and it gets. You know, it sounds a lot like every other thing, but this is this is clearly nope. You are listening to La Strada right now, and here are the emotions you need to, you need to have. <laughs> but um, as Scorsese said, it's never cloying, it's never overbearing. It's just it's mm-hmm. perfectly inserted into mm-hmm. the into the into the proceedings. Uh, I, I I'm a, definitely a big fan. Of, it's of stuck in my head for a very long time after watching the movie. It's it's uh it, yeah, it's it's haunting. It's it's really good, especially when when it has even more meaning. Uh, at the end, I feel like it's even more tragic when at the end, when the, her, her music has lived on in a way. Right. And it, 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 be, not... it becomes literally part of the plot too. It's not just yeah. the, it's not just the motif. Yeah. It's like, it, it's essential to the story. It's essential to mm-hmm. Zampano figuring things out and everything. Mm-hmm. It's rather <sighs> it's masterful. It's, uh, yeah. it's, it's so masterful that this movie basically broke Fellini, right? <laughs> it really did. He he uh, got into a huge depression, right? He they stopped filming the film. Um he had yeah. to stop because his he just had a complete breakdown. Yeah, he had a breakdown. He, like it, it was like this was a chore to get made. Like he had some mm-hmm. actors, some actors. He wrote it for his wife, Julieta Messina, but they didn't want her and he had to he had to mm-hmm. direct another movie before he get the cred to get that and then you had to yeah, yeah just starting clear. it up she got injured too there was a there was a whole thing it was almost like a you know like a uh like a gilliam-esque uh shoot <laughs> yeah. it's <laughs> it was uh it definitely had like all kinds of horrible things going on she didn't have a contract and it, you know there was all kinds of things that happened yeah. um and then he the uh they didn't have enough money at the end and they were saying that he'd have to pay for the rest of the budget and he had to go back to dino de Laurentiis, who was a producer on the film and you know, help get money. It was a whole. It was a whole thing. It was. It was right. a. It, it was not an easy film to make. Um, but it's kind of funny looking at it in a way because it's like it doesn't seem like you know it doesn't seem like a arduous shooter in right. any way. You're, but you're, you're like in the Italian countryside. It's just fucking right. fuck whatever. <laughs> it's fine. Shooting but... outside, available light. You know, no sound. <laughs> yeah, what's so hard? Apparently, many things are very hard. <laughs> Ant, uh, Anthony Quinn. He filmed this. No, did he film this in the morning, and then he was filming Z, uh, the movie, mm-hmm. another another De Laurentiis movie at night. So he was like ex- tired and exhausted, and he was mm-hmm. kind of getting sick of Fellini's crap because like he was <laughs> being overworked. But right, right. 
yelling, just yelling numbers every day, you know? Oh, yeah, that, that had to be. <laughs> I must get, how could, it's still gotta be so hard too as an actor. Like, how do you, uh, you know, you have to emote and also just be saying one, two, three, four, five, you know, just counting. That's all, that's it's, enough. Yeah. That's while what the was doing. For while him. some crazy, crazy Italian, Italian man is yelling at you. you. That's, that's... <laughs> and you're dealing with his wife too. Like yeah. You're also. It like, it's like my own personal hell right there or something. <laughs> yeah. But uh, as for the wife, uh, I love Julieta Messina. She's so this. good. She's, she's so she, I, I was like, she's like, she's like a she's like Charlie Chaplin in this. She has these wide eyes, these doe eyes, this great tramp esque manner to her. Mm-hmm. I, I, like, uh, like the scene, the scene towards the beginning when she's getting the um, getting her costume, gets the bowler mm-hmm. hat, and does the little yeah. A little she chaplain little dance. Yeah. Like she, <laughs> oh. she, she's perfect for this movie because this is a movie where where she has to be be expressive and mm-hmm. as, basically astonished by everything. She is so yeah. like it doesn't matter she's how got that look. Yeah, she's got she's got a great look. Uh, I think she, you know, showed her showed her skills more in Kabiria, or at least I'm told, because she appeared in mm-hmm. a lot of Fellini films. Obviously, because she was married to the dude. But mm-hmm. uh, I, th- I, she's great. Considered, she's considered great her as a, as a, his muse, apparently. Oh. Um, it was, and, uh, it was written for her. What the yeah. entire thing was written for her. But now it's uh, Lestrada. It's yeah, but she, she's, she definitely is perfect in that role of the kind of the, the innocent. Definitely, she, she does it so well. Um, she and she does. definitely, I, she comes off as a lot younger than, than she is. She has this kind of weird, uh, almost like, I don't know. Fairy like innocence kind of thing, but yeah, 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 and and it never seems, and it's a true innocence. Like she never gets, she never get until until the murder. She's never corrupted. Right. She's like even no. like he he rapes her the first night. He like that happens, but she's still so excited to be, or I guess, alive yeah. or out in the world, and it's. This weird, like, oh, if only we could all be so kind of unassuming in the face of just daunting horror. Maybe we'd all be better off. But then again, she does die alone <laughs> and silent. So who's to say? Who's to say who's like nobody ends. Nobody we'll find, ends well. We'll find out this. soon, Steve. We'll find <laughs> Woo! out very soon. Very, very soon. So, um, Alex. Uh, the question we always ask, La Strada, mm-hmm. the film we were talking about this week, did it deserve to win Best Picture? I, I mean, I, I would consider this Best Picture over. I mean, I, I this again, we we were we'll get to it when we get to eighty days. But uh, I, as far as I remember, I, I think this is a, probably one of the best films of the year. Period, not just foreign film. And uh, as far as uh, cultural influence, I mean, I don't think that's in doubt. I mean, we didn't even know half the other films. So uh, yeah, yeah, I, I think this absolutely deserves. Uh, they. Hollywood almost got the foreign film ones. Uh, they have a better. There's almost a better foreign film list than there is a than best picture list. I have to say. True. I feel like it. it looking at it a right lot now. Of the, yeah, it really hits a lot of the, uh, the high notes for uh, a lot of the ones that, well, at least a lot of the ones we, you know we consider like essentials as far as uh, yeah. foreign films. Yeah. Oh, it's so, definitely. Oh, sorry. Uh, Fellini won four. He directed four Best Picture winners. He did. He did win for Armacord. Sorry. I, I, yeah, Italy. I believe. I believe it's the number one country. I don't want. I'm not trying to pat my uh, ancestors on the back or something. <laughs> but, but um, yeah, I think Italy and then uh, followed by France. Yeah. As far as okay. uh, best, best Picture winners, yeah. 
they got, they got a lot of them in that whole that whole period though that's when everyone started loving those italian films yeah the world started opening it up man started uh <laughs> bring, started bringing them around uh i got i gotta agree with you like yeah I, I walked into this review maybe a little iffy you know like positive but now i feel like this is actually a very good movie and i look forward to actually you know checking it out again at some point down the road down yeah. the road uh-huh. This has definitely got me. I, I, I kind of want to do a Fellini uh, marathon or something. Well, not marathon. I don't think I could do a Fellini marathon, but I definitely want to start uh, going through his filmography again. Uh, this is kind of a definitely, definitely yeah. re- you know, re- reminded me of how how amazing it is, and so I definitely want to. I still got a couple of the Criterion's I'm gonna pop in. Nice. And, uh, well, yeah. luckily we have three other Fellini films coming up. So right. uh, at some point over the next uh, however long the show lasts, so. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, this has been Oscar Watch. Thank you so much for listening. If you like what you heard, you can drop us a line at OscarWatchPodcast at gmail.com and find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram at OscarWatchPod. And do subscribe if you're not already onto iTunes and leave us a review. Just, you know, you don't even have to say anything. Just give us a number of stars. We would greatly appreciate it. It helps spread the word about the uh, podcast and all this fun stuff we're doing. Uh, Alex, if people wanted to get in touch with you, where would they find you? you can find me on Twitter at Alex Reveal or on the internet at alexreveal.com. Yes, where he is tip-top, 100% healthy, folks. He was always healthy on the internet. <laughs> on the internet. I don't know about that. I don't know about that. Yeah, we'll see what... what uh, I'll tell my kids to work on some kind of uh, illness for next week. Oh, okay. I'm, just, I'm just trying to prep you, Steve. I'm, okay. I'm trying to prep you for parenthood. It's Thank just you. Nonstop sickness. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, that, that's great. Um, Alex, you got the dice on you. I do. I have them right here. Okay, they, they've been, you know, they've been very lonely. All right. I've I've I, I've enjoyed this walk down the road, but let's uh, let's get back to uh, get back to the let's get back to the business, shall we? All right. Here we go. What do we got? Forty-one. 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 Uh, Oliver! Oliver. Go, Oliver. Okay. Okay, that's uh, the 1968 Best Picture winner. Back to the three-hour movies. Back to the (laughs) three-hour movies. It's a musical based on Oliver Twist, as I recall. So that should be interesting at the very least. I don't know if I've seen this. I know I I have never seen it. Is this this place going to have some more? Is it? Wait, is it? Yeah. It might be. <laughs> well, I mean, all of Why them are all of them are placer, a... but I think this is like yeah. the one where it comes is this from. The one, yeah. I don't. Maybe it is actually. I don't know. Ah, okay. That's kind of a weird thing not to know. But if, in that case, I have seen it. If not, I guess it is. I, I think about like, it. I feel like I've seen every movie. In this. I feel like I've seen. Oh, uh, okay, Oliver. <laughs> so uh, next week on Oscar Watch, we'll be checking out the 1968 Best Picture winner, Oliver. With the, go, exclamation go, point. with the exclamation point, Jeb, Moulin Rouge, etc. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm very curious about this one because I have no previous experience with this movie whatsoever. So now I'm very oh, now I'm now I'm very curious. More poor people problems movies. Ugh. That's what we're doing. God, don't they know who's president now or will be like tomorrow? This is, okay, and people, we we will be back, assuming. The world is still here. The internet is still here. I'm just, I'm just gonna, I'm hoping that we'll still be around and that you know net neutrality isn't gutted immediately. But hey, you never know. Yeah. Uh, so uh, until that, until such time.
Thank you for listening. Stick around next week. Watch Oliver. And until then, we will see you on the red carpet. Trailers for sale or rent Rooms to let 50 cents No phone, no pool, no pets Ain't got no cigarettes Ah, but two hours of pushing Broom buys an eight, twelve, four bedroom I'm a man of means by no means King of the road Box car.